dozens and dozens, hundreds of people that weren't able to come today, but they're here in town and they're joining us right now. So we're glad you're with us today. You know, we're going to talk about unshakable faith. I have a question for you. Is your faith unshakable or is your faith shaky? Is it shaky or is it unshakable? Because, you know, the reality is that in life, we're going to face challenges that are going to test our faith. Can your faith handle when your prayer isn't answered the way you want it to be answered? Can your faith handle when you lose someone you love? Can your faith handle the disappointment that you've recently gone through? Is it shaky or is it unshakable? Things will try to shake your faith. Jesus said trials are going to come. And he said, when they do, are you going to stand strong or is your house going to fall apart? Is it going to shake loose like being built on the sand? I don't know about you, but I want to have unshakable faith. How many say amen to that? So we're going to learn a story today. We're going to read a passage of scripture about three Hebrew children called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Come on, how many remember Veggie Tales? Rack, Shaq, and Benny. Rack, Shaq, and Benny. And what happened was is the king built a big statue that was 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and he said everyone in the kingdom has to worship it when the music plays. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they couldn't do that. It was, they knew that they're to worship the one and only God. And they said, if you don't worship, you're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And so the music played and they didn't bow down. When the king heard, he said, I'm going to give you one more chance. And if you don't, I'm going to throw you into the fire. And I want you to read what they had to say, because I believe these men, as we read this story, are going to show us some principles how we can have unshakable faith. Let's read it together. Daniel chapter three. Here we go. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, let me stop. They're saying, listen, we're not going to bow when you do it again. So if it happens that we, if, if you play it again and we don't bow, here's what we need you to know. Let's read it one more time. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But if he doesn't, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. This is unshakable faith. Will you close your eyes? Man, I tell you what, I just sense the Holy Spirit here right now. In whatever way you can, just lean in. Lean into God right now. Will you do that? Holy Spirit, speak to us to be people who aren't shaky, but have an unshakable faith. Anoint this message and anoint our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. What I want to do today is I want to take the story and I want to show you some things that God said to me. And I want to give you four principles to have an unshakable faith. As we read through the story, we're going to see what an unshakable faith looks like. So point number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Number one, unshakable faith doesn't quit during the test. Unshakable faith doesn't quit during the test. I want you to see what we read a moment ago. They said, our God's going to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to give up. We're not going to quit. We're not going to serve your God or worship the God, the golden statue that you set up. Even though we're going through a test, 
We're not going to quit. Can I tell you, your faith will be tested. You're going to be tested. It may be a sickness. Some of us go through a testing and it's, we experience sickness. Some of us, our test of faith might be the pressure to conform. Maybe you work in business and everybody around you, they're cutting corners and they're not having integrity. And that's the way to be competitive. But you know that you need to, to stand true and be in integrity and tell the truth. You're going to be tested to conform. Maybe you're in a relationship and you're dating and the, the person you're dating wants you to have, be intimate with them physically. And, and you know that that's not God's plan for your relationship and you're pressured to conform. We all have tests in life, and our faith is going to be tested. Here's the reality. We don't like tests. Come on, how many when you were in high school, you hated test day? <laughs> now, I'll be honest with you. This point that I'm preaching right now, I, um, several years ago, I touched on this in another sermon. Even recently, I touched on it. But I, as I was reading this, I felt like I had to talk about it because here's the thing. We don't like the test. I mean, how many showed up to school and everybody's putting their books away and you're, you're like getting your books out and you're like, what's going on? And you're like, dude, it's test day. And you're like, oh no, why? Because you didn't study for the test. <laughs> Nobody likes to take the test, but here's the, the side we, we forget. This is the, per, the perspective I think God's trying to teach us. And that is this, nobody wants a product that hasn't been tested. I don't want to buy a car if they haven't tested the brakes. I don't want to buy a car that they haven't tested to see that the airbags work. In other words, the point is, is that it, if it can't be tested, it can't be trusted. And so God sometimes allows in our seasons testing because it's in the testing that we develop the strength to know that our faith will stand true. It's interesting because the three Hebrew children, they went through a test and the test is are going to bow. What I love though is that when you read the story, you realize that this wasn't their first test. You're going to have multiple tests throughout your life. They were tested. Remember when they were taken out of the, the, the land of Israel from Jerusalem into captivity? And they were brought before the king and they said, you're going to eat from the king's table and we're going to raise you up to be leaders. But they couldn't eat from the king's table, the food that was there, because it would break their dietary religious laws. And so what did they do? They went to the person who was in charge and they said, let us do the Daniel fast. Let us eat vegetables and fruit and see after a period of time if we're still not healthy and strong. You see, what's exciting about the children of Israel is they passed some other tests. It reminds me of a man who was tested. His name was Abraham. Abraham was tested, and here's how. God said, I want you to take your son, your only son, to the top of Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Now, theologically, I'm not going to dive into that today. There's a, there's a lot of truth there that helps us understand what happened in that story, but God said, I'm going to test your faith. It's interesting because that wasn't Abraham's first test. Abraham had taken lots of tests. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have taken a test and you didn't do so well? Some of you failed in the hand-raising test right now. I... <laughs> It's a cheap joke. I got to use it. Eh? Sometimes we don't pass. You know what's interesting? Abraham took several tests. I'll tell you a couple tests that he'd already taken. Here was one. God said, I want you to leave the security of your family and your home and move to a land I will show you. And guess what? He left and he went to the land and he passed the test. 
That wasn't the only test. You know, the test he took, it was when God, um, there was a, some problems that developed between Lot and his men and they were fighting, right? Lot's men and his men were fighting. And so what did Abraham do? He said, you pick a portion of the land and we'll take the other portion. And God ended up blessing him and he passed the test. But let me tell you, Abraham wasn't perfect. He failed some tests too. I'll tell you a couple. He failed. Here's one. Remember, he hadn't had a son yet, and he was waiting for the promise. And so his wife had comes up with an idea, and she comes to him. And she says, hey, Abraham, we haven't been able to have kids, so I have this idea. Why don't you sleep with my concubine? He says, I'm all in. <laughs> How many know he didn't pass the test? He failed the test. That wasn't the only test he failed. Let me tell you another one. Remember when they went to Egypt? And, and when they get to Egypt, he looks at his wife, Sarah, and he says, Sarah, you're hot. You're good looking. And when we get to Egypt, all of these guys are going to see how hot you are and they're going to want you and they're going to kill me to get you. So here's what we're going to do. You tell everybody you're my sister so that if they take you, I stay alive. How many know he didn't pass the test? And the reality is that in life, we're going to have tests. But the question is, are you going to keep going in the middle of your tests? Are you going to quit in the middle of the test? Because he could have quit after the first test. And he could have quit after the second test. The children of Israel could have said, no more tests for me. We already passed our test. But you see, I think God wants us to continue to go because what he's doing is God wants you to build a track record of faithfulness in the middle of your tests. You see, Abraham knew that he couldn't quit in the middle of the test because he'd seen his father quit taking tests in his faith journey. And I believe, Abraham, I believe that the three Hebrew children, Rakshak and Benny, they had heard this story about their spiritual father, Abraham. You see, Abraham's father, if you read in Genesis, the Bible says that he left Ur of the Chaldeans to go to a land, Canaan. But on the way, he stopped in a place called Haran. And he never went any farther. He stopped in the middle of his test. And some of you say, well, why, why is that a test? Well, because what's interesting is this town he stopped in, its name was Haran, which is the same name of his other son. Abraham had a brother, and guess what? His brother died. And guess what? Isn't it interesting that this man who was called to go to a promise never made it to the promise because he stopped in the middle of his test, he stopped in the middle of his pain. He stopped in the middle of his Haran. He stopped in the middle of his disappointment. He stopped in the middle of his fear. And I want to tell you, a lot of us, we haven't seen the promise. And here's why. Because our faith is shaky. And here's why. We stop when we get in the middle of a test. And so Abraham said, I'm not stopping. My dad did. And he ended up in Haran. And you know what? Terah, his dad, Terah, means in the Hebrew, to delay. And a lot of us are in a season of delay rather than the season of inheritance. Because what we're trying to learn today is that unshakable faith doesn't stop in the middle of the test. Come on, y'all with me, amen. Don't stop in the middle of your test. I'm going to give you the second point. The second point is this. Unshakable faith is found in strong community. Now, I know some of you, as soon as you hear this, you're like, oh, great, Pastor Jerry's going to talk about circles again. <laughs> He's always talking about, I need to be in a circle. I don't want to be in a circle. I like my row. I sit here every week. 
And it really makes me mad when someone takes my seat. Come on, how many of you have ever felt that? Come on, you get to church and you're like, that's my seat, dude. Come on, have anybody thought that? Some of you are lying. Come on, lift your hand. You, you see... If you come to Higher Vision very long, you're going to discover we're going to talk about community. We're going to talk about circles. We're going to talk about being connected in small groups. Why? Because unshakable faith is found in strong community. It's interesting because when you read the story, there's a part of it. And here's what happens. The men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they don't bow when the music plays. And so how many know that in every place there's always a tattletale? Right? And so there's a tattletale, and these tattletales don't like these Jewish men. They don't like that they've had favor from God. They don't like that they have influence in the kingdom, and so they want to hurt them. They want to, to, to push them down. And so they come to the king, and they tattle. And how many know when people tattle, they always have like a whiny sound to their voice? So they come to the king, and they say, king, everyone bowed, but there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you put in charge of the province of Babylon, and they refuse to serve your gods and do your worship and to worship the gold statue you set up. Now, when I read that, we read it and we see the, what's right there in front of us that, that they're being told on, they're being tattled on, and this is the catalyst to, for the king to give them an ultimatum to either bow or go into the fiery furnace. But when I read it, God stopped me and said, Jared, what do you see? And immediately, you know what I saw? I saw a circle. I didn't see a man, I saw a community. In fact, I wonder if there had just been a Shadrach, if you and I would have even known of a fiery furnace. If there had just been a Meshach, maybe you and I wouldn't be talking about a fiery furnace. If there had just been an Abednego, maybe you and I wouldn't be talking about how that God can bring us through the fire. Why? Because it's sometimes through community that we can do things that we can't do on our own. The enemy wants to isolate you, but that's why the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, two is better than one, because if one falls down, the other can pick them up, and a cord of three strands will not be easily broken. Isn't it interesting that this incredibly horrific test of going through the fire had three cords? Because I think it went down like this. Because I don't know about you, but if I'm going to die, please not fire. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'd rather be shot, but not a fire. Some of you like, this is morbid, Pastor Jared. What are you talking about? It's hot. It's, 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 I can't even imagine, right? So imagine, they're human. And now they have to make a decision that we might be thrown into a fiery furnace and burn alive in front of each other. You, you knew they were sitting around waiting for the king to come back and talk. And one of them, like maybe it's Shadrach. He's like, dude, guys, I'm out. I don't think I can do this. Fire? I can't do fire, guys. I can't do fire. I'm out. I, I mean, I love God. But listen, we'll just ask him to forgive us. He'll forgive us. It's fire. But guess what? He's got a three-chord strand. And suddenly Meshach's like, dude, bro, you can do this. Remember, the Bible teaches us that when we walk through the fire, he'll be with us. Well, come on, we can do this. You, you got this. I'm with you, bro. Together, God is going to give us the strength. And then, and then uh, Bendigo's like, yeah, man. Come on, remember that time you went across the hot coals? Come on, you can do this. And then 30 minutes later, Abednego's like, guys, I don't know. Because all of us are going to have moments. Yeah. But when we're in a community, 
And we're in a circle. And when you have people, that's why we're encouraging you to come to the men's event on Saturday and gather as men. Why? Because you need to get in a community of faith. In fact, I want to show it to you in the scripture. There's a powerful truth here about um, being unshakable and community. Look at what it says in the book of Hebrews. It says, let us hold tightly without, what's the next word? That was kind of 